Welcome back, everyone, to this week's Torah for the Earth audio essay. I'm your host, Charlie Forbes, and this week I will be addressing Parashat Vayekel and Parashat Pekude. This is the first instance in this series where we have encountered two Torah portions that are read together on one Shabbat. As the Torah is divided and read over the course of a year, there are, in short, more portions than weeks within which to read them, and so some are doubled up. And this is one of those weeks. I'll start with Vayekel, which is Hebrew for he convoked, which comes from the same root as the Hebrew word for community. Vayekel means to call together, to assemble or to gather, which is exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu does with the Bnei Israel before he repeats the commandment to observe Shabbat. In this parasha, the Israelites are again instructed to build the Mishkan, yet the commandment to keep Shabbat is given first. There are, of course, reasons for this. The first big reason is that Hashem gives the people of Israel two sanctuaries, one in place or in space, and this is the Mishkan, and the other which is in time, and this is Shabbat. Much of the commentary in the Torah for the Earth audio series has emphasized place and has almost given it priority as an ecologically situated dimension. But something very special is happening with the gift of a sanctuary in time, meaning that wherever one is, wherever one is in place, and that any Jew throughout the diaspora or even outside of Jerusalem can construct a sanctuary for worship. This is not to say that Shabbat is a sanctuary outside of space. Time and space are interrelated dimensions, and this is very important as we think about our ecological activism. By praying at the same time, every day or every week, we can use the sanctuary of time to interact with the sanctuary of space, a time-based practice can also root our being to space and to the land, which is a powerful ecological idea. Second, there's a reason why Shabbat takes priority over the building of the Mishkan. In the Midrash, we read about how the sages equated the Sabbath with the entirety of Torah and all its commandments. The Talmud teaches that idol worship constitutes a repudiation of all 613 commandments, and given that we have just moved past the sin of the golden calf, it follows that the nation of Israel would have to accept all of the commandments again. The first verse of the parasha alludes to this with a seemingly superfluous phrase, to do them, which can also be rendered to repair them. The gathering of Parashat Vayekel is an initiation of the repair that must occur after collective idol worship the repair of the infrastructure of emanation of God that was damaged by the sin. This is an instance where, after a monumental transgression, the community gathers together to initiate healing. In a world damaged by human action and overwhelmed by the need for environmental repair, our coming together as a global community would be a suitable start. In chapter 35, verse 22, we are told that, quote, everyone whose heart motivated them, end quote, 
donated an abundance of materials for the construction of the tabernacle. So much so, in fact, that Moshe is prompted to stop people from giving any more. This is, of course, interesting because it's a form of giving and a form of urgency that our modern world requires. Take Notre Dame, for instance, which is a sacred site in the Christian tradition that recently caught fire and was severely damaged. Millions of dollars of donations poured in to help rebuild the site, which was a notable act of charity. But think about all of the sacred sites of native peoples, for instance, that have been destroyed or desecrated by being made into parking lots or shopping malls. These places are in need of great giving. The giving of not only our monetary resources, but of our awareness, our consciousness, and the part of ourselves that recognizes the sacredness of the land. Parashat Vayekel is about communal giving for the benefit of the greater good and can remind us to honor the dimension of sanctity, the dimension of the sacred, no matter its form, even if it exists outside of our own tradition. Next, we have Parashat Pekude, and I'll be brief here. Pekude is Hebrew for records of, or accounts, which begins with an account of all the gold, silver, and copper that were donated for the construction of the Mishkan. Much of the content that is covered throughout this dual reading of Vayikel and Pekude is essentially a repetition of the material that we have covered in Parashat Terumah, Tetzaveh, and Kisisa. The only difference is that the tabernacle is actually built, and the priestly vestments are actually made. On Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the new moon of the month of Nisan, the tabernacle is erected, and Moshe, as the incumbent high priest, anoints the Mishkan, all its furnishings, and initiates his brother Aaron and his four sons. After this, a cloud settles over the tabernacle, signifying that the glory of Hashem filled the tabernacle, for the cloud of Hashem would be on the tabernacle by day, and fire would be on it by night, before the eyes of all the house of Israel throughout their journeys. And this concludes the book of Exodus. Chazak chazak v'nit chazik. There are two themes I'd like to talk about this week as they pertain to the earth and to the natural environment. Just to be clear, I'll discuss them in the reverse order in which they appear in the text. And those themes are artistry and rest. There's a quote in the commentary of the stone edition Chumash that I'd like to read, and it corresponds to the verse, this is chapter 35, verse 21, describing those volunteers who came to do the sewing weaving, and building of the Mishkan. It reads as such. In Egypt, there were no Jewish artisans, since the Egyptians did not train them or permit them to develop their talent for their finer skills. I wanted to highlight this point because the same thing has happened in an industrial age, where everything has now become mass-produced by machines and automated while not bound by physical slavery, those of us in parts of the world that are causing ecological damage have become inflicted with another type of slavery, 
a paralysis and a stagnation of our natural abilities. There is still the inspiration, the desire, of course, to contribute. Yet how many of us, over the course of just a few generations, have been witness to the disappearance of a craft? How many of us take our shoes to the local cobbler for repair, sew our own pants, or grow our own food with seeds that have been passed down from harvest to harvest? How many of us can truly say that we feel entirely self-sufficient in our own homes and in our own lives? We have lost the basic skills to craft for ourselves the items of everyday living, which has made us reliant upon corporations to produce those products and that artisanship for us. This is the ultimate aim of modern industry, to strip us of our own creative power and capacity for self-sufficiency. In active resistance against an existence dependent upon industry, movements like those aligned with the ideals of the Transition Handbook have popped up around the world, seeking to decentralize fossil fuel-based industries and empower local populations to create more sustainable communities. In fact, much of the emphasis in Parashat Vayekel is on the artisan, Betzalel, alongside other wise-hearted humans within whom Hashem had endowed wisdom and insight, are commissioned to build the tabernacle and its furnishings. Betzalel was the chief architect and is said to have possessed the knowledge of how to manipulate and combine the primordial letters with which God created the world. In this way, Betzalel wasn't an ordinary artisan. He was familiar with the Kabbalistic text, the Sefer Yetzirah, this is the Book of Formation or the Book of Creation, which understands letters and the metaphor of language to be the base reality from which the entire universe is constructed. This is even hinted at in the first line of Genesis where we read Bereshit bara Elohim et, which is understood to mean in the beginning of God's creating. In Hebrew, Et is the direct object marker, indicating that the heavens and the earth were the objects of God's creating. But the point here again is that we read Bereshit bara Elohim et, et being constructed from the first and last letters of the alphabet, Aleph and Tav, the significance being that in the beginning of God's creating, God created the world with letters. Betzalel had knowledge of how to wield these spiritual forces into the very fabric of the tabernacle, so that the physical, earthly structure could mirror that of a heavenly, spiritual architecture. Once again, this is why the commandment to observe the Sabbath is reiterated in this parasha, as Sabbath observance is a prerequisite to the tabernacle. Shabbat is rooted in the primordial flaring forth of the cosmic world, and is the source of blessing for all creation. While it is the seventh day and completes the week, in the words of the well-known Sabbath hymn, Lechadodi, we sing, Last in deed, first in thought. This is the Aleph and the Tav, the end and the beginning, which represent the essence of the Torah and symbolize the significance of human endeavor. There's a reason why the account of the tabernacle's construction concludes with the ark, the table, and the menorah. These are the items that represent God's teachings, our struggle to sustain the physical world, 
and our obligation to spread light into the world. It is this triad of vessels that is the lifeblood of all artistry, the essence of the letters which give form and order to our world. According to the Jewish tradition, our relationship to the world is epitomized by how we behave on the Sabbath. The six days of the week are given to us so that we have the opportunity to express our artistry. We do our work, we take care of daily necessities, and implement the mandate to subdue the earth. But on the seventh day, something very different happens. Our reality changes and we enter into a day of rest. We approach the boundary of one reality and cross over that threshold into another. We cease from creating, from working, and from implementing our artistry. But our artisanship does not end. The six days of the regular work week are likened to the dimension of Tsimsum. This is a Kabbalistic idea that to create the world, God first had to create space by shrinking, by contracting, to provide for the presence of a finite reality. The idea here is that the dimension of Tsimsum is a limited manifestation of God's power, and we are allowed and even encouraged to exert our control over the world. But something changes when we rest, because we relinquish our control over the world and over our power to alter form. We stop working, we stop changing things, and we just stop. In doing so, we relinquish a type of power, yet find a connection to a greater atmosphere of God's presence in the world. Apart from the theology behind Shabbat, rest is a powerful ecological idea. This is one of the reasons why Shabbat is included as one of the Noahide laws. It's a commandment for the entire world. We reflect upon the effects of our labors, and we acknowledge that all living creatures and the entire world needs rest. In times of crisis such as these, the world is crying out for Shabbat because it's a rest, a reset, an expansion out of the realm of Tsimsum and into a world of all possibilities. In a metaphorical sense, the dual reading of Vayekel and Pekude is about the intersection between time and space, the timeless and the timely, the finite and the infinite. It's a gathering of many worlds and the core constituents of the inner self, which serve as artisans and as co-creators within the world. I hope that we can all learn to be artisans for the earth and rest for all creatures. This is my hope for tomorrow. Thank you all so much for tuning in and listening. I'd like to end this week with a prayer from the Reform Sidur, the Mishkan Tefillah, and it goes as such. In a world torn by violence and pain, a world far from wholeness and peace, give us the courage to say, Adonai, there is one God in heaven and earth. The high heavens declare your glory. May earth reveal your justice and love. From bondage in Egypt we were delivered. At Sinai we bound ourselves to your way. 
Inspired by prophets and instructed by sages, time and again we overcame oppressive forces. Though our failings are many and our faults are great, it has been our glory to bear witness to our God, keeping alive in dark ages your vision of a world redeemed. Let us continue to work for the day, when the nations will be one and at peace, then shall we rejoice as Israel did, singing on the shores of the sea.